take some home. Every morning when you get up, every morning when you get up, you can have communion. Every night when you go to bed, you can have communion. <laughs> okay, so the Lord spoke to me this morning about communion and the story of on the road to Emmaus. Have you ever heard that story before? Anybody hear that story? The road to, not the road to Damascus, the road to Emmaus. All right, so it's in your Bible, Luke 24, and it starts at verse 13. And this is an amazing, amazing story for us. And God wanted me to, I'm not going to read it. You can read this, but this is your homework for this week. Ephraim and Lizzie. <laughs> this is your homework for this week. Read Luke 24, the road to Emmaus. And this is the most amazing thing because this speaks to us about the mystery of the Holy Communion. And that when we partake, you know, we, we, we've been talking about this every week, like how the Lord said we had to eat his body and drink his blood, right? You guys have that drilled in, right, girls? <laughs> um, well, this is what the Lord wanted me to tell you this morning. In this story, there were two disciples, it doesn't say who they were, walking down the road to Emmaus. And they, Jesus had been crucified, or he was crucified. He was buried in the tomb, and we also know that he was, had been resurrected. But these two disciples didn't know it. And they were walking, don't worry, Chris, I'll make this short. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, they were walking to Emmaus, and they were talking about it. They were, like, can you imagine disciples of Christ? Think about this. If you were a disciple of Christ back then, and you followed him, and you thought he was the Messiah, you thought he was going to come and conquer the Romans and set you free from their bondage. You were waiting for him to be the king and rise up in power. He did rise up in the most powerful thing he could do. He gave his life, and therefore we can be forgiven. And then he rose again with the keys of death and hell, right? But they didn't know. And they were talking about it, and, and they were sad. They were like, what has happened? And guess, this is so great, Ephraim, guess who appeared to them as they were walking on the road? Yeah, he was walking. All of a sudden, somebody was walking behind them and started talking to them. And he, and, but he made it in the, in the spirit, he made it so they could not recognize him. So they didn't know who he was, but they were having a conversation, and they were having a conversation about how Jesus was crucified, and he was talking to them about it, and he, and explaining it, and saying different things to them, and then he said, and I think this just shows Jesus and his personality, 
because he said to them, is there any place around here to eat? <laughs> right? Can you relate to that? <laughs> Who's hungry this morning? <laughs> and I think it's a great thing because Jesus showed us there too in his resurrected body that he was hungry. He wanted to eat. So what does that mean? When we go to heaven, what are we going to do? Eat. <laughs> but anyway, he, so he says to them, do you, do you have anything to eat here? And they went into a place to eat, right? And it says, now I want you to listen to what happens, okay? Because this is the clue to the mystery, Ephraim. Do you like mysteries? Okay, this is the clue to the mystery. <clears throat> While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. This is a perfect story for this morning. <laughs> he said to them, Why are you troubled? And, and why... Do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then... He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high now in this translation it doesn't make it as clear but in other translations it says that they went in and they broke bread right just like communion and as soon as they broke the bread let's take our bread the body okay Let's take the body in our hands and hold it up. And as soon as they broke the bread, it says that he opened their eyes and they knew that it was Jesus. And Father, we just take this bread this morning, your body broken for us, broken for our healing, spirit, soul, and body. Let's partake together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And we pray this morning that you would open our eyes. Open our eyes to see you, Jesus. 
Open our eyes to see you, Jesus, to know that you're here, to know that you want to sup with us, you want to eat with us, you want to go with us to the football games, you want to go with us into our schools, you want to go with us to our jobs. Father, you want us to partake of Holy Communion in memory of you so that you can fill us, you can empower us, And we pray this morning, Lord, that you would just, just like you did with Paul on the Damascus Road, when you sent someone to take the scales off his eyes so he could see. Lord, take the scales off our eyes this morning so that we can see you as we partake of your body and your blood. Praise you, Lord. Let's take the blood together. Lord, we let's hold it up. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you went to the cross for each one of us. For every sin that we will ever commit, you took it to the cross. And all we have to do is trust in you. All we have to do is trust in you, give you our, our hearts and our lives, and believe in your forgiveness of sin. And Lord, we partake together this morning of the blood of Jesus by faith as we, as we drink the wine. And Lord, we believe that you will fill us and empower us and forgive us. And we praise you and thank you. And let's partake. Amen. And just remember, I want you to remember this week, Luke 24. I want you to read it over and over. You can read it in different translations. But I want you to remember that as they partook, as they broke the bread with Jesus, and, and at that point, too, it wasn't like the Last Supper. It was a different supper, wasn't it? The Lord doesn't care. You can have communion in your home with whatever you have available. And if you do it in faith, if you do it in faith, believing and honoring him in remembrance of him, then as you partake, you will be healed and forgiven and empowered to walk with him. So we just received that this morning for all of us in the name of Jesus. Amen? Thank you, Lord. A couple things. Uh, we uh, Phil had his birthday this last week, so we want to wish him all a happy birthday for Phil. Ellie, we also pray that they get healed. They had COVID also. Phil had COVID, so we're praying for their healing. We're also going to be lifting up prayer for uh, Lida and their family so they get totally healed because they've had COVID. Uh, I don't know if Annie and Jordan have in their family and the kids, but we lift them all up.
to you, Lord God, right now in Jesus' name. We lift them up to you, Lord God, that you would bless them, heal them, deliver them from this, Lord God. Deliver them from this tiredness. Deliver them from COVID. And I thank you, Lord God, that now they have natural immunities built inside of them, natural antibodies, Lord God, that you've given them to strengthen them. And I just thank you for each person here. I thank you that, Lord God, you've covered us and protected us, Lord God, that you have kept us under the shelter of your wings. And, Lord, I just pray that you would keep us, Lord God, keep us healthy, keep us strong, keep our minds steadfast on you. And I pray for this day, Lord, also that, Lord, that you would bless it, bless this service, bless the reading of your word, Lord God, as we, as we move forward, looking to the day you're coming. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, without that, Grace, you want to come on down? It's time for an offering. Got to be faithful every week. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, and praise you for this tithes and offering. We pray, Lord God, that you would bless it. Bless those that are giving, Lord God, abundantly. Bless those, Lord God, that are not here today, Lord God. I pray that you would bless them financially, Lord God, spiritually, financially, Lord, physically, Lord God, and that you would help them. Lord God, and we just thank you, Lord God, for the ties that you've brought into this place, Lord God. I pray that we would turn around and we would just give it, Lord God, to those that are in need. And Lord God, and Lord, and we just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to continue studying the book of Revelation, and we're into the churches. And actually, the title of my sermon is called The Churches. And do you remember from last week what, the, what are the representation of the churches in heaven? Does anybody remember? The lampstands are the representation of the seven churches. Julia's good. And remember the seven stars? The seven stars are the the what? The seven angels. Very good. Thank you, Lord. Girls are paying attention. They're on their A game. Amen. So if you got your Bibles, you can open up the Revelations chapter two. And I don't know if I'm gonna get through this whole thing, but we're gonna try. To the church in Ephesus, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. So God, who holds the seven stars, is holding the seven angels in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands, which are the churches. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love, Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did 
at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To the church of Ephesus. One of Ephesus' fatal flaws was forsaking your first love. You know, it's funny, I had a brother in the Lord who we love (laughs) come to this church a few years ago. And he's in North Carolina now. And he said to us, he goes, you're lacking in love. And the funny thing is, is that my wife has never forgotten that. (laughs) And she always reminds me of Brother Lenny's word to us, that you need love. I lost my first love. (laughs) So she's always reminded me. And that was a few years ago, two or three years ago. But we remember that. Because... I'm going to tell you because one of the flaws of the church of Ephesus was forsaking its first love. Remember the height which you have fallen, Jesus said to the church. The Ephesus church had a lack of love. And you know, some interpreters have understood that lack of love as being a lack of love toward God. But... There's others that understand the phrase as being a lack of love to other believers. That you don't love each other like you should love, with God's love. And I'm reminded in the scripture in 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, Without love, what are you? A noisy gong or clanging cymbal. We can do nothing Without love, if we give everything we have to the poor, but have not love, we give nothing. Love, love is the hallmark of the body of Christ. My wife's laughing. She must have a lot of love and joy today. Today. You've got to remember to practice love. But love is the hallmark of our Christian beliefs. It's what everything stands on. It's what holds the Bible together. It's what holds our lives together, love. It's what God did for us when he sent his son. It's because he loved us. It's for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right? Right? Without love, we are a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. But love is the hallmark of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ has rightly hated sin, but has failed in loving the sinner. We as a church have failed there many times. So I wrote down here a question. How do you think you measure on your love? 
for God, for your fellow believers, and for sinners. So I don't want you to answer that, but it's something we should be thinking about. It's something we should be looking at in our lives. Amen? So to the church of Ephesus, they were lacking in love. God said, repent. Remember the height which you have fallen. And God says, if you do not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. But this favor I have, but this, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans. So I wondered, I looked up, what are the Nicolaitans? Who are the Nicolaitans? Because it's a, God, Jesus told that to the several of the churches, not just to the church of Ephesus. So I looked up what are and who are the Nicolaitans. Well, the exact origin of the Nicolaitans is unclear. So many Bible commenters, commentators, I should say, commentators, commenters, commenters, I'm a commenter, we're all commenters of the Bible, right? <laughs> but commentators believe that they were a heretical sect who followed the teachings of Nicholas, whose name means one who conquers. Huh? It reminds me of the false... Uh, the white horse that goes out, bet on conquering of the four horsemen, one who conquers, but one who conquers. Nicholas was probably ordained as a deacon in the early church in the book of Acts in chapter 6, verse 5, when they were, when they were um, anointing deacons. So, they say he was, he was probably ordained as a deacon in the early church. But that he fell away. He walked away from the truth. He walked away from God. He became an apostate. And he held on to the doctrines of Balaam. Well, the doctrines of Balaam were eating food that was sacrificed to idols, committing sexual immorality. They abandoned themselves to pleasures, leading to a life of indulgences. Their teaching, this is the teaching of the Nicolaitans, their teachings perverted grace and replaced liberty with license. So they made their own moral absolutes. They didn't follow the truth. They went after their own selfish desires, their own selfish pleasures. And I had a little note, doesn't that sound like some of the world today? So that's who the Nicolaitans are. <clears throat> to the church of Smyrna, let's read. To the church of Smyrna, these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. 
I know the slanders of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. God says to the church of Smyrna, I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. I see your struggles. He says to them, be faithful. Even unto death. You will be persecuted, but be faithful. He will give you a crown of life. In the church of Smyrna, the earliest Christians there were Jews and Gentiles. can't read my writing. <laughs> the Jews and the Gentiles. And they believed in the true, truest forms of Judaism. They believed their obedience to Jesus was as necessary as their obedience to Moses. They regarded Jews who rejected Jesus as apostates from the true faith of Israel. I see the church of Smyrna as believing in the Old Testament prophets and not just believing in them, but understanding them and understanding the times that they were in. And believing in the Lamb of God, that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And not only that, but that Jesus was the Son of God. That's what I believe. I believe they understood the church of Smyrna. Understood their times. Understood the prophecies. And understood Jesus' teachings. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and you will be giving a crown of life, is what Jesus said to the church. And as a church and as a pastor here, we must too be faithful. We are not suffering persecution like some of our brothers and sisters around the world, but we need to stand faithful. Someday that day might come to America might come to us, and many in America are being persecuted. 
but not to the degree and the hardship and the struggles of those Christians in places like the Sudan, Iraq, Iran, and China, and other countries around the world. Be faithful, God says. And not only that, be faithful because he will give you the crown of life. That's what he says to the church of Smyrna. Be faithful even unto death. To the church of Pergamum. To the angel of the church in Pergamum write, These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. There they are again. The Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And we know the sword is the word of God. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it. Known only to him who receives it. The, per, the church of Pergamum faced not only external opposition, but it also had internal opposition as well. Pergamum, just to give you a little outline, Pergamum was the center of the was the center of. Uh, the political center of the Roman Empire, where Pergamum was in that time. Today, Pergamum is just a ruin. But Pergamum was also in what we call today modern-day Turkey. Pergamum was a very beautiful city, they say. But on the flip side... It was one of the darkest cities. Like, there's a saying out there that says, everything glitter isn't gold. And it's so true. Everything that looks so good isn't always that good. And Pergamum might have looked beautiful as a beautiful city, but it had deep, dark secrets. It was called the place where Satan lives. The city had three temples. One was three temples for Roman worship. One was to Athena. One was to the Roman Empire. And the other one was to, and it was called uh, the Great Altar to Zeus. Who many of the scholars say the Great Altar of Zeus was the seat of Satan. Where the throne of Satan is. 
They lived right in the middle of all of it. And yet God said to them, you have not renounced your faith in me. You remain true. And even in the mist, and even though it might look like we too are living in the mist, and we too not only have external oppositions out there against us and against the church, but we have many internal oppositions within the church as well as externally of the church. We must remain true. And what is true? The Word of God. You want to know how to remain true? You know the Word. The Word of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Word is true. Even though it looks like America as becoming a home for Satan to live, and in many cases he has become, we too must remain faithful. Hold true to God. Amen? To the church of Theatira. Theatria. Theatria. <laughs> These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love, and your faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did before. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. Unless they repent of her ways, I will strike her children dead then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Theatire, do you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does, not, and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. I will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give him the morning star he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Theotire 
The city was known for its merchants' crafts and its guilds. Many of them, now listen to this. I found this very interesting. Many of them risked their own livelihood or loss of in income by refusing to join the guilds whose meetings included meals dedicated to patron deities and emperor worship and the Jezebel spirit and false prophecies that misled and deceived God's people. Wow, don't we see that happening today? Don't we see the risk of people losing their livelihoods because of not willing to take a vaccine? Isn't Jezebel and Satan's tactics, they haven't changed at all in 2,000 years. They're still using the same tools because they're so effective. They're just using different circumstances. Hasn't changed. The Jezebel spirit, the Jezebel spirit pulls people away from God, misleads them in thinking that they're doing something good, but they're not. It says Jezebel, the prophetess. who calls herself a prophetess by her teachings. She misleads my servants, pulls them away into immorality. What God said to the church of Theotire I thought was interesting. He said, I will not impose any other burdens on you. I will not impose any other burdens on you. It's like God sees our burdens. He knows what we can bear. And God says, I will not give you no temptation to seize you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. God will not give you a burden that you cannot bear. And he will not impose burdens on you. He actually says, cast your cares on me. Cast your burdens on me because I care for you. My yoke is light. My burden is easy. He's not going to cast any more burdens. The church of future... They, they had so many struggles. But they were still doing more. They were trying to do more. It says, I see your service and your perseverance that you are now doing more than you did at first. They were trying and they were striving in the midst of a godless city. Trying and persevering and pressing into God. And that's what we need to do. 
But we need not to be deceived, because there are many false prophets that will come in these days. The Bible tells it clearly. Many false prophets will come. Many will come trying to mislead and to pull you away from Christ. They said that even the elect were going to be deceived. The elect are the Christian, the believers. We need to be strong. We need to be faithful. Amen? To the church of Sardis. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wow, can you imagine that rebuke? You are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Wow. What, do you, what is another scripture that Jesus said? He will come like a thief in the night. If we're not ready... We need to be ready for what? His return. It says, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. And I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow, the church of Sardis had the appearance of being alive, but it was dead. Wake up! Sardis had grown comfortable with their position. You know what they said about the Sardis believers? That they coexisted peacefully with the synagogues. And they were comfortable in their relationships in the world that they had at that time. I hate that word, coexisted. I'm sorry. But as Christians, we do not coexist. We do not compromise or capitulate. We do not compromise. Sardis didn't have any pressures from Satan. Didn't have any persecutions or temptations. They, why did they have any pressures from Satan? I wrote down here is because they were already dead. Satan didn't need to pressure them. Satan didn't need to worry about them. They were sleeping on duty. <laughs> God said to them, wake up. That call applies to everyone today. 
We must all be ready for Christ's return. We must all be ready for Christ's return. We cannot be caught sleeping. We must be ready for Jesus at every moment, every time, every bit of our lives, every hour, every day. Jesus could return. He can return right now. He can return in an hour. He can return in three or four hours, six hours, tomorrow, this week, this month. It could be years down the road yet. We don't know for sure because no one knows the time or the day or the hour. Only God. But our goal, our job, and my goal is for us always to be ready. That's why I preach on the end times a lot. Because I want you to be aware. I want you to be ready. I want you to be prepared for what's coming. To the church of Philadelphia. These are the words of him who is holy and true. Who holds the keys of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed them before you. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Wow, God is going to keep those who are faithful, who are true, who are His, who are sold out to Jesus, who have given their life fully to Him. He is going to keep them. Did you hear that? He is going to keep them from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. He's testing their faith to see if they're going to stand with him or if they're going to stand with the devil. God will keep you from that. I look at that as two things. I look at that as either a covering, which is, is a covering of God, or it's the pulling up of the church, the rapture. Taking us out of this trials that this earth is going to go through. Through the tribulation. He says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have. Hold on to Jesus. Amen. So that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. 
the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Did you also take note that after every one of the churches, God says, he who has an ear, let him hear. That means we need to pay attention. That means that we need to pay attention. We need to have our eyes open. We need to have our ears open. We need to have our minds open and our hearts open to receive what Jesus has. The Philadelphia Christians at that time, they had little social power. But that little social power counted in their favor before God. Because power is easily abused. But weakness leads to dependency on God. On God's power and not our own. God promises to live with the hurting and the humble. But he's far from the proud and the self-sufficient. God will judge each of us, not on the power we start out with, but on what we do with that power he gives us. We have to depend on on him. Amen. We cannot depend on man. You cannot depend on the government. You cannot depend on your governor. You cannot depend on man. You have to depend on God. We have to follow God. <clears throat> to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witnesses, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear. So you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church of Laodicea, Lukewarm church. You know, I learned a lot by looking up the church of Laodicea. I learned, one, 
that the church of Laodicea had no access to good drinking water. It couldn't get cold spring water from the mountains. And that's why I think Jesus uses these things to relate to the churches for those times. He uses what they know in their times to reach their hearts. But the Laodicean church had no access to cold water, nor do they have access to hot water from the nearby springs. There was a nearby spring in Laodicea that pumped out hot water. It was called the Hierapolis Springs. But Laodicea also shared in its pride like the neighboring cities. They shared in the pride of their own self-sufficiency. Jesus told this self-satisfied church, I want water that satisfies and refreshes me. But you remind me of the water you complain about. You make me want to spit you out. And when I read of these churches, you know, there's Bible scholars that say that each one of these churches represents a timeline that we're in. Some say they're in chronological order. But when I read the churches, I look at the state of the church. I look at myself. And I look at this myself and how, how myself is. What state am I in? Am I in any of these things that I need to repent in? And I tell you what, there are many times I'm in every one of those churches that I need to repent from God. Where I'm cold, where I'm not lukewarm. Where I'm prideful, self-sufficient. And I think how each one of those can relate to each to the church today. And I look at the state of the churches around the world today. And I and I don't know about all of them. But I think boy what I hear and what I see I see that the the state of the church is very poor right now. And that's the body of believers. And I think to myself, God, help us. I pray, God, help us to repent and get right with you. Just as there are these corrections and rebukes, from Jesus, there are also promises for those that make these corrections. Promises for all those that overcome. God says, for those that overcome, for those that overcome, for those that do not fall into the Jezebel spirit and get pulled away, for those that don't fall into Satan's trap, 
For those don't rely on their own self-sufficiencies and their own self-strength. For those that give up their pride and humble themselves. For those that help others. For those that love their brothers and sisters more than their own lives. For those that love God. He says to them, and this is from all the churches. He says, I will give you the right to eat from the tree of life. The tree of life that was in the garden. When Adam and Eve walked this earth, when God set it up. When he created creation. He took the tree of life. He took the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I'm sure he placed him in paradise because it says the tree of life is in paradise. It's in heaven. He says, I will give you the right to eat from the tree of life. I will not let you be hurt by the second death. I will give you manna and a white stone with a new name on it. I will give you the authority over the nations. I will dress you in white and never blot out your name from the book of life. And I will acknowledge your name before my Father. And I will make you a pillar in the temple of God. I will write my name on you and the name of the new city. I will give you the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame. When I hear those words, or for those who overcome, those are from parts of all the churches that he promises them to them. He says, listen, I overcame all these things when I was here, and I walked on the earth as man in the flesh. I overcame them all, all the temptations. I overcame them. And just as I overcame I made a way for you to overcome. We are overcomers if we follow Jesus, if we hold on to Jesus, if we don't let go. Don't be trapped. Don't be deceived. Amen? Be overcomers. You are overcomers. We are overcomers. We overcome by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We are overcomers because Jesus overcame. Amen? Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord God, for this day. I thank you and I praise you, Lord God, for this teaching. I pray, Father God, for next week that you would help give us fresh revelation, that you would open up our eyes, that you would open up our eyes throughout this week as we read through the churches today. Lord God, and we learned of the churches. I pray, Lord God, that we would meditate on it. Lord God, meditate on, Lord God, your word. Lord God, and I pray that we would read ahead, Lord God, in the book of Revelations this week. Lord God, that we would, that we would get into our Bibles, read ahead, and look forward to what's coming next week. Lord God, I pray, and I, and I just pray this, Lord Jesus, I pray your blessings over your word. I pray your blessings over your people, and I pray that you would have our hearts open for you all the time. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.